Hi, this is New Life North Metro's Home is Live podcast. We want to passionately welcome and thank you for joining us today. We're glad you are here. Listen and be blessed by the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the ability to come together with everything that's going on around the world. And we're seeing just things that are, you know, shocking at times when we look at the world and the things that are going on. But we should not be shocked. We should not be amazed because we understand what what the times are, Lord God. We understand that these things must happen. All these things are happening. But Lord God, we we thank you for the ability to come together as a church freely. For the ability to worship freely without persecution. That we can come here, Lord God, and be and be together, praise God together, pray together, hear the word together, worship together, encourage one another. It's your design for the church, the assembly, to come together and to be a part. And it's so wonderful to be a part of that, Lord God. And so we thank you for that freedom we have in Jesus Christ and in this nation, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All right. So two Sundays ago, and also last Sunday, how many of you were here two Sundays and last Sunday? Could you give me a wave? Okay, most of us were here. We, we had, you know, we had talking and we had preaching and we had messages regarding healing. Correct? Are we correct? And that it is God's design or God's plan for us to be healed. As New Life North Metro, we believe that sickness, come on, I'm going to give you a statement of faith here. So if you're wondering what we believe in, we believe that every form of sickness and disease is not from God. That is very clear for us. Whatever sickness or whatever disease, we believe it's not from God. Because Jesus came and He healed everyone. So if Jesus is healing everyone, then that means that's the plan of God for everyone. God's plan for you is not to suffer or live through sickness and disease, but His plan for you is to receive healing. And if possible, healing here on earth. Amen? But maybe there are some that go ahead and receive their complete healing in heaven, but we believe that healing is available for us here on earth. Amen? Do you believe that, church? And, and that is why there, there, are, there are times that the Spirit of God, you know, we believe that it was, we were seeing a lot of people who were struggling with sickness and disease. We were hearing a lot of reports of people that were praying and needing for healing, he, praying for healing. And it's just right timing, I believe, that, that it happened, that, you know, Pastor Steve came and then when Pastora Grace, were you guys blessed last week by Pastora Grace? Amen. You know, she, she felt that, that we needed to continue on that line. And, and I just believe that it was just the right timing for, for, for that here in the church. You know, sometimes I hear this, you know, wow, I had a great time in church today. Did you ever say that? You know, I had a great time in church today. It was just a wonderful presence. It was just a wonderful service. The word was great. Everything I pray when you come to New Life, you would have an experience like this. Amen? You know, isn't it wonderful to come to church and experience the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, you know, being around people that love God and, and just enjoy? I mean, the thing I believe, honestly, I believe, you know, church should be a pleasant experience. Amen? But how many of you know that in life there are Sa Tagalog, madaming iba't ibang karanasan. Or we go through different experiences. Come on, let's be honest. We go through different experiences, yes? And our experiences change. Sometimes it's like as quickly as a roller coaster. Come on, let's be honest. One moment you're just excited, you're praising the Lord, you're, you just come from church, you got a great revelation, you go out, you go to your parking and it's flat tire. How many of you know you experience change all of a sudden? Come on, let's be honest. One time you're feeling so great and all of a sudden, boom! It just changes so quickly. And if we are to base our faith or base our, 
how we feel on our experiences, how many of you know it's, that's not stable? Experiences in life is not something you base your faith on. Amen? It's very dangerous to base your faith in God based on the experiences you go through. Because not every experience is God's will for your life. Just like sickness and disease is not from God, we don't believe God brings bad things to, good peop- to, to people. It's just not the nature of God. Amen? So experience is, is something. And, and I actually looked up, I called my friend Miriam Webster, and I asked her about how would you define, in the most simplest term, the word experience? And according to her, is a particular instance of personally undergoing something. So experience is something personal. An experience is something personal. You cannot experience something through your family. You have to experience something yourself. It is a particular instance that you go through something. So it's very vague, but it's very true. Because experience can be anything. But it's you go through it. It becomes an experience. You see, if it's not you, it's someone else's experience. It's just cuento. And sometimes it's just gossip. Right? Be careful of other people's experiences that it doesn't become gossip. But an experience, if you go through it, like you experience healing for yourself, then it is your experience. That's when it becomes an experience, when you go through it. And we are not inside the bubble, you know, the, the COVID situation that happened many, a few years ago. Many talaga, no? Feels like forever. That happened, caused us to be stuck at home, but we're not stuck at home anymore. We are going out, we are experiencing life. Amen? But then, then all of a sudden, I'm saying, you know, it's so, ha- it's so wonderful to have a, a blessed church experience. But then God said, God spoke to me, especially I think it was last Saturday when we were attending a Jesus Festival, that God spoke to me and the word that He spoke to me was, experiences are great, but I have designed my children to not just have experiences, but to have encounters. Let me say it again. Everybody will go through experiences. But God has designed His church, you and I, to not just have a life made up of varying experiences. But we would have a life of distinct, memorable encounters with a living, personal God. Amen? An encounter means this from the same source. To come upon or meet with someone or something, especially at times unexpected. You see, God doesn't just want us to have a great church experience or a great Christian life experience. But God wants our life to be made up of not just experiences, but in the midst of your experience, you would encounter Him. Because it's only in our encounters with God that things can truly change. You know, the time that we came up here to be prayed for, I believe many of you who were prayed for, if not all, my prayer is all, had encountered God at that moment. That when the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, then that's what we call a God encounter. Amen? And I believe church should be made of that. The sad thing is, in today's society, people have decided that even the church, not only are government secularized, but even the church should be secularized. You know what it means to be secularized? It means to be 
available for every single one. There's no, there's no, how do we say it? Not naman borders, but it's, it should be that anybody who comes in or anybody who here, there is no distinction. There is no, in, I'm trying to figure the right word. I had the word in my mouth, but it's, can't take it out. But the understanding of the words, the church is being secularized, it means that we can't say things that would offend people or we can't do things that would offend people. It's just everybody who comes in, you have to say everything politically correct. But can I tell you, that's not church. Because church, we as believers, first and foremost, we believe in a living God. A supernatural God that wants to encounter you and I supernaturally. So that means He can show up in our, our services. And He can do what He wants to do in our services. And even if it looks weird, we don't apologize for it. See, people are so afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to move in the services because, oh, bakat, the people will feel afraid. Maybe they will walk away. Maybe, oh, weird. This church is so weird. I'd rather be called weird and see the presence of the living God show up in our services than being normal and no, nothing changes. Let's not be so afraid to proclaim the gospel. Let's not be so afraid to see, pray for people and that miracles happen. That God shows up because I believe we are not just made to experience the Christian life, but we are called to have encounters with the living God. Are you here? And usually, when I look at the Bible regarding God encounters, it usually happens on mountaintops. There's something about mountaintops that God decides to encounter. And I actually looked it up. I go, why? Thank God for Google. Why is it that encounters in the Bible happen on mountaintops? And of course, there's so many different opinions. But the best not naman the best, but the, the, for me, I just felt this is perfect. It's because they believe on mountaintops you are closer to God. I know it's funny, but I just loved it. And what does that mean to me? What is your mountaintop? Because maybe we don't live on a mountain or, or we're going to go up a mountain soon. You, not me, but you. Uh, <laughs> but what is it about mountaintops? You know, when I think about mountaintops, I think about when people say we're going to climb that mountain. It's something we, we purpose to go to. It is something we purpose to to, to endeavor in. It's not easy to climb a mountain. And how many of you know in life, it's, it's not easy, especially when we try to achieve our goals. When we're trying to achieve, anybody here trying to achieve something? You know, my wife and I had a, had a talk the other day about goals. And she's like, come on, let's open our Excel sheet and let's write our goals together. I'm like, praise God. But of course, I will oblige my wife every time. I, you know, I love her. Anything to make her happy. So I, we are co-writing co in the Excel sheet. Sabay kami on different tablets. Anyway, what I'm saying. But a mountaintop is, yes, it's closer to God. But I believe mountaintops are part of our life. That we're not just, we're not satisfied to just walk flatly. Because there are goals and there are visions and there are things that we want to achieve. And I want to tell you that in the mountaintops, in your journey, I believe we will encounter God. Because without Him, we will never conquer our mountains. So are you ready to open your Bible a bit and take a look at some of these mountaintops? Ready na ba kayo? Tell the person beside you, are you ready? Genesis 22. We'll start with verse 2. Genesis 22, we'll start with verse 2. So here's the story of Abraham. 
And Abraham at this point was living in covenant with God. Could you relate to that? Are you living in covenant with God? I don't know. Well, if you are you a born-again believer? Then you are living in covenant with God. Amen? So don't even... I'm not sure. Yes, you are. But we've not come to experience the aircon in this room. We've come to encounter God. Come on. Don't waste your time coming here. If you're not going to expect an encounter with God. And eh, amen. And if you ha- honestly, you have to be awake if you want to expect an encounter with God. Because all of you know, when you're sleeping and all of a sudden, amen. Everybody's shouting. Like, oh, the Lord. Amen. What happened? You might miss your encounter. So tell your neighbor, don't miss your encounter. So here we have Abraham. He's in the middle of the will of God. He's following. He has received the promises of God in his life, especially his most desired promise, which is his son. He had Isaac. He was so happy. He was praising God. He was living, living the good life, which God had predestined for him, spoken about him. And in the middle of this wonderful life, Genesis 22 verse 2 happens. Then God said to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as on the, one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. Now, a lot of people like to make doctrine over this situation. Amen. And saying that God's going to ask you to sacrifice something in your life. And you may have your own version or understanding of this doctrine. But I'm not here to talk about doctrine. What I'm here to share is this. What common experience can we get from this? Is that when you're in the middle of God's will, sometimes there are things that God would ask us to do. Not necessarily kill your son, but ask you to do that you find very difficult to do. Come on. Have you ever said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm in the middle of your will. And then all of a sudden, you hear an instruction like maybe somebody hurt you. And the Lord says, forgive them. Or maybe, you know, you, you, you want to do something, but God's telling you, you need to step out in faith. You're in lack. God's saying, don't borrow, give, So. Usually, if I'm in luck, I'll borrow. No, God said, you're in luck, so. Oh, I'm in luck nga, Lord. Eh. Some things that it's just we find so difficult at times. What do you do? What do you do in situations like this? What did God tell Abraham to do? Come, take your son and let's go up a mountain. Why? Because God was wanting to encounter Abraham in this mountain. Are you there? Are you thinking about what it is God is telling you to do? So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and the two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. No, I like this. And many people, I was just doing a class on faith. And many people is, how do you know, Pastor, if you're in the center of God's will? You know, sometimes God tells you to do something and I don't know, if, am I in the will of God or not? You see, it never said there that God told Abraham, I'm going to take you exactly here. He said, go to this land. We're going to a mountain. But it never said that God interrupted him in the middle of his journey and say, Oh, Abraham! Yes, Lord. This is the mountain I want you to go to. Very clearly. No. But he knew which mountain it was. See, listen. Let me tell you. When God instructs you to do something, do it. You may not have the full instruction, but let me tell you, as you are in obedience and walking in faith, you will know that you are in the center of God's will. You know where to go. God will show you. He will make sure you know. Amen? Abraham 
he said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder to worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, look at what Abraham said. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. See, that's a person of faith. He knew what the instruction was. He knew what his situation was. But he knew in his heart, he knew the... He knew the person, he knew the character of God. That God was not somebody who would give and take away. What God asked him to do was really out, he could not comprehend because the promise of God that he would be a father of many nations. And this is his son, his only son. How could me sacrificing my only son allow me to be a father of many nations when you take away the person, the line, the connection? But yet Abraham was not going to question God. And Abraham was not going to disobey God because he saw how God had been faithful to him even in times when he kind of messed up. He saw the faithfulness of God. He knew that he who promised is faithful. Abraham knew all these things and he wasn't so what did he tell his son? His son knew. Isaac wasn't dumb. He said, there is no wood. There is the wood. There is. You don't go up a mountain without the offering. You have to bring the offering. He's like, Dad, where's? <laughs> There's only two of us here. So it's either you or me, Dad. He knew it. But you know what? Before he brought, oh, I love this. I just got it right now, actually. Before he decided to offer his son to the Lord, Abraham offered himself first. Because no father in his right mind would ever sacrifice his son. So before he took Isaac to bring up the mountain, he died first to himself, knowing that he would have to do the will of God. Amen? Many times we have to die to ourselves. But he understand the character of God. He understood who he was. The Lord himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to a place to which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. No struggle from Isaac. No questions from Isaac. Because Isaac heard what his dad said. God himself will provide. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, here's the encounter. And I like how it says, capital A. Every time we see stories of angels, not all of them have capital A. But if you see a story with a capital A, that usually means, according to scholars, it usually means Jesus himself, the Lord himself. It wasn't any angel that appeared and said, Abraham, yoo-hoo. No, it was, oh, I believe it was Jesus himself showing up and saying, stop. Amen? He, God encountered Abraham as he was in the middle of doing the will of God. God told him to do it. He was ready to do it. And look, God encountered him. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear the Lord or you worship the Lord since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him, he saw a ram caught in a thicket in, by its horns. So I want you to understand this picture. Abraham was going to sacrifice. Jesus shows up, says, stop, don't do it. He, puts, he sees a picture of a lamb, a ram, which is a male lamb, whose horns was caught in a thicket. 
Now, what is a thicket? A thicket is a thorny bush. So the ram head is caught in a thorny bush. You see it? And then he says, okay, this is the lamb that you are going to sacrifice. And Abraham said, went back, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering for his son. And Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. As it is said that day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. He went up Mount Moriah. And in the middle of doing the will of God, he encounters God himself. So what happened to him? God revealed himself in the encounter. What did Abraham need in the encounter to fulfill the will of God? Lord, you need to provide. Because I don't want to kill my son. In the middle of God's will, you need to provide another sacrifice. I know you said to do this, but Lord, is this really your will? And God said, I'm looking at your heart. No need to sacrifice. You're not going to sacrifice your son. I just wanted to see if what you're willing to do for me. But then God revealed himself as what? As provider. Today, when you are following the will of God, and you are in that process of going up your mountain, and it's going to cost you something, it's going to, God, you're going to have to say, Lord, I need your help. Can I tell you that we have the ability to encounter God? And when you encounter God, you will begin to see His character, who He is. Whatever it is you're needing, He is your provider. Amen? Amen? So what's so great about this mountain? Because many, many years later, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, we see a man, a king called Solomon. Anybody know Solomon? And Solomon did something that his father really desired to do. And what did David desire to do? Was build a house for the Lord. A permanent dwelling place. You see, from that time, God's presence would go with them. It's portable. The tabernacle was portable. You could take it anywhere. But David wanted a whole house, a glorious place for God's presence to dwell in so that anybody who comes in that place can encounter the living God. And what was that place called? It was called the temple. So in 2 Chronicles 3.1, it says, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in where? Where? Here, it's right there. Oh. Where first? Jerusalem. At? On Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So what's the significance of Mount Moriah today? Well, today, Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem is. The city is built, the city of God is built on Mount Moriah. The place where God first encountered you know, Abraham. Amen? And actually, the place where the temple is, even today, is still called Temple Mount. Temple Mountain. And on the Temple Mount today, anybody know what's on the Temple Mount? It's the mosque. It's the Dome of the Rock. It's the Muslim mosque right there. Trying to cover where God had initially come. All right? Do we see it? So if you talk about Moriah, it's not Moriah Carey, okay? It's Moriah, Mount Moriah is where the mountain, where Jerusalem is built on. It's on top of that mountain. Amen. Clear. But is that the only mountain that we know in the Bible? Anybody know another mountain? Mount Sinai. Anybody know Mount Sinai? What happened on Mount Sinai? Moses, another person. Okay, let's take a look at Moses, Exodus chapter 3. What's happening in Exodus chapter 3? Moses was born from a Hebrew family, but at the time, they were ready to kill all the firstborn male. So what did his mom do? Put him in the river, let him float so that Pharaoh's daughter would find him. Pharaoh's daughter found him, adopted him, and made him 
as one of the royal family. Moses grew up thinking he was Egyptian. Is that clear? He grew up thinking he was Egyptian. All of a sudden, he sees the Israelites being tortured or, or hurt by the Egyptians. Something inside of him was like, why am I so drawn to these people? He was struggling with his identity all of a sudden. He grew up, how many years? 40 years in the palace. Some of you are not even 40 years old. Yes? He grew up thinking he was Egyptian. And all of a sudden, he had this 40 years midlife crisis that he didn't know anymore. Am I Egyptian or I Jew? He killed the guard. They were saying, are you going to kill us all? So what did he do? He ran away. He ran away from Egypt. He ran away from the Jews. He ran away from his identity. He was running and hiding. And for the next 40 years of his life, he was in the wilderness, running away. And look what happens in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. Ah, sorry. Yeah. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and led the flock far into the wilderness and came to where? The mountain of God. You know, I never knew that. All of us, I always thought that Moses' burning bush experience was just somewhere in the desert somewhere. But it says here that the first time Moses encountered God, he encountered him in Mount Sinai. Are you there? There the angel of the Lord, small a. Have you notice it's small a? Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that, burst, that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord, okay, take notes, not the angel. When the Lord saw that Moses coming to take a closer look, God himself called from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And, Moses, and God replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And then look what God says. Very important. I am the God of your father, the God of... Now, let's stop right there. What does it mean? When you say, my father, I come from Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, and Jacob. What does that mean? A person who claims, I come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, there's only one group of people, and that's the Jewish people. That's the Israelites. Those are the Hebrews. Do you know what God did in the middle of his wilderness? God showed up and confirmed his identity. You are not Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. You are a Jew. And before he could tell him to do what he needs to do, God needed him to understand his identity. If you are here and you feel that you're running away from the will of God, or you're lost and you can't find, what do I need to do? Let me tell you, when you encounter God, the first thing God's going to do is He's going to restore your identity. That you're not going to run away from who you are. See, being will always precede doing. Before you can do anything for God, you need to understand who you are. And you are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are forgiven. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to know who you are. What was God doing? He was wanting Abraham, uh, Moses to get back, to understand his identity so that he can do the will of God. And what was the will of God for Moses? Set his people free. Amen? 
But then in the midst of him standing there and saying, Lord, who will I say sent me? And God once again revealed himself. He said, I am who I am. See, every time we encounter God on our mountaintops, God will always reveal himself. He is the great I am. And Moses, whatever you need, I am. It's not I will. Oh, you need to get this. Whatever you need from God, he's not I will. Or maybe I will. He is I am. Meaning it's done. Whatever it is you believe are believing God for, he is. He is. It's already done. He is. It's not, Lord, will you? No, I am. Lord, can you? No, I am. And because I am, I have done. It's already done. Church, do you understand? Are you here? Two mountaintops. Two experiences. One in the will of God. One running away from God. But both God encountered. Amen? Both God encountered. Both God revealed Himself. He revealed a characteristic. The Lord who provides. The Lord who is. Amen? And, and the wonderful thing, thing about Sinai is that we see in Exodus 19, after Moses delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, look at Exodus 19 verse 1. It says, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of, and after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai. Why did Moses bring them to Sinai? Why did Moses bring them to Sinai? Where did Moses encounter God? So he said, I'm going to bring you to the place. Well, I was once lost. He found me. And I'm going to bring you to the place. We were all lost. You were all lost. But I'm going to bring you to the place where I met God. Where I encountered God. Why? Was it his just great idea to just, Lord, Lord, I'm going to bring them because... When you don't know what to do, you go to God. Okay, God, I brought them out. What's next? So he brought them to the foot of Sinai, and I love what God said. As we continue reading, Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord called to him from the mountaintop and said, Give this instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. I have seen what, uh, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And you know, I love this, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What was God's plan all along? Not just so Moses could encounter him, but that God that God could encounter His people. I will use this one, and from this one, I will set a nation free, a nation who I'm in covenant with, a nation going back to the other mountain, coming from Abraham, Isaac. That lineage that I preserved on Mount Moriah, the nation which I preserved on Mount Moriah, is the nation I want to bring to myself. This is his plan altogether. And it's so funny that there's these two mountains, you know, were used by God. But God doesn't do things by accident. There's always a reason why he does things. Fast forward. Thousands of years later. On Mount Moriah, there was a lamb who was the only begotten son. Come on. 
was taken before the people, placed in front and was judged. But he knew why he came. Just like thousands of years before, our offering is not what God desires. He says, sacrifices and offerings I do not desire. What I do desire is obedience. He just wanted Abraham to obey. I don't want your son. I gave you your son. I'm not going to take your son. I just want you to obey. Here he is, the son of God, the lamb of God, with thorns on his head, just like the ram whose head was stuck in thorns. Thorns on his head, taken into from Jerusalem and just outside the city on a little hill called Golgotha. The sacrifice which God calls a sweet-smelling aroma of worship was given not just for one man, but for the world. Jesus Christ himself sacrificed himself on Mount Moriah. He died. On the third day, he rose again. And the Bible says that Jesus died during Passover. All right? But the next day, right after Passover, which we called the Feast of the First Fruit, the day after Passover, Passover, which is the Sunday, was the Feast of the First Fruit. And the Feast of the First Fruit, which is when Israel was brought out of Egypt the next day, they are the first fruit. Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible said that He celebrated. He was with His disciples for 40 days, teaching them, instructing them. The first fruit, the Bible says, the first fruit of creation, Jesus Christ Himself, the first one to be born again, was there. For 40 days, He ascended and, and He told them to wait for the promise. Now, when did the promise finally come? The Bible says 50 days later, they were celebrating another feast. And that is the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks happens 49, 7 times 7, 49 days after Passover. Feast of Weeks. And what is the significance of the Feast of Weeks? Today we call it Pentecost. You guys know what Pentecost is? But to them, the Feast of Weeks is significant in what way? Because it is on the Feast of Weeks when the Jews celebrate the children of Israel going to Sinai. You hear me? Going to Sinai and encountering God and then God giving them the law. The Feast of Weeks is the celebration when the children of Israel get to Sinai. Do you understand? So on this celebration, the disciples were in one room, in one accord. Where were they? Anybody know where the disciples was? What city were they in? Anybody know what city? Jerusalem. They were right beside the Temple Mount. They were on the Temple Mount. Where is the Temple Mount located? Mount Moriah. On the day the disciples were in Mount Moriah, celebrating the giving of the commandments on Mount Sinai, two mountains coming together, suddenly, Acts chapter 2 says, when the people were in one room and one accord, suddenly there came a sound as a mighty rushing wind. And now, they did not just encounter the Father, they did not just encounter the Son, 
But now the disciples encountered the Holy Spirit on the mountain, celebrating another mountain experience, coming together, two mountains colliding in one day. God encounters them in a supernatural way. And no longer is that encounter limited to one person. That encounter now is for everyone. Come on, did you hear me? When mountaintops collide, it's not just for one. When encounters collide, it's for everyone. And on that day, the church was born. Can I tell you today, church, we were birthed through encounter. Therefore, we should never walk away from encounters. Never be afraid of encounters. Expect God encounters in your life. Every time you come to church, expect an encounter to happen with God. This is not a natural meeting. This is a supernatural meeting. Amen? So what, it is, what is it you need today, church? What is it you need today? Healing? What is it you need today? Provision? What, it is you need, what is it you need today? Peace? What is it you need today to, to, to get back into the will of God? Whatever it is you, will, you need today, God is I am. So if you're here today and you need an encounter, just lift your hands. Or better yet, just stand to your feet. If you're needing an encounter with God today, just stand up. And just lift your hands. And you need to shut your eyes. And if you're not standing up, then I guess you can watch the others receive their encounter today. Lift your hands up. Lord, you see the people here today, your people, called by your name. We are Christians. We are Christ like we have Christ in us. Today, Lord God, we come together to encounter you. We've climbed up this mountain, which we call the church. We've climbed up this mountain and together we need you. Different situations, different people. But today, the same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead the same Spirit that gave power to the church and birthed the church, the same Spirit alive today is present for all. So by the, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to encounter us today. Encounter us today. Encounter us. Whatever you need, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Tell Him what you need today. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, Lord. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit. Everybody, wherever you are, don't look at me. Just receive from God. Pour your spirit out. 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 We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. A holy anointing. 
the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Now begin to pray in tongues. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Just like Moses today, God declares to you that I am who I am. And whatever you need, I am. Not I will, I am. So today, people in this place, encountering the presence of a living God, has experienced a touch of heaven. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this encounter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise. And let's just thank Him right now for your answered prayer. Thank Him right now that He is I Am. I Am. We hope you enjoyed and learned from today's message. Share it with your friends and family. Connect with us through Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Welcome home.